welcome to another episode of Grumpy Old Game Men and Their Dogs. It is episode 74, day 60 here in the Zen Room. My name is Patrick Finn, and I am here with the loquacious Tommy Gibbons. Hi, bitches. And how are you tonight, Tommy? I'm okay. What's going on? Not too much. Just taking it easy. All right. What do you mean taking it easy? Just taking it easy. Cut you your know, feet up. Yeah, enjoying the the snow outside. What snow? Well, there was snow there outside. There was like a reminder that there could be snow. <laughs> there was no snow. That was not snow. It snowed. It, it snowed. Was... It accumulated and covered the ground. It's, okay. It made me very happy. Did it? Yes. That was my gripe last week about there being no snow. Maybe you have a power. Yes, maybe I do. Maybe you should pick your gripes very carefully. <laughs> And actually, there's more snow supposedly coming on the way. I would be okay if I never saw snow again. Oh, yeah, I don't like it. Oh, you don't. Are you don't like a change of the seasons? That's not what I said. No, I don't like the snow. Oh, okay. I I don't mind the change of the seasons. I love fall. I love spring. Okay. I hate snow, and I hate blazing hot humid air yeah thanks two of us so on that one and i won't apologize for that no you don't have to no i'm not gonna good don't i'm not (laughs) and this past weekend we went to go see a production of shakespeare's as you like it at south shore theater experience and how was that quite good actually it was quite entertaining it starred our very own bryce dallas howard powell okay And who did he play? He played the lead, actually. Okay. Did he know all his lines? Yes, he did. Well, he's, he actually stumbled a little bit in the very beginning of the show, but that was about it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, he was very good. He's actually very good with Shakespeare. Okay. He really is. Not all actors, you know, can handle that. Did actually. They do, did they do it? Well, you can handle it if you can learn your line. Yeah. And he learned you his have lines. You learn your line. Yeah. And he does a really good delivery of them, I thought. And talk about having to be precise. Do they do like an adaptation? Do they do is it five acts? Do they do the five acts? I, I, it's a condensed version. It was about two and a half hours. Did they write it or was it? They, I, they adapted it. They made it into a more contemporary setting. Took place in a gym and a high school. Oh yeah, well everybody does that. Yeah, exactly. So, so it was what, a more contemporary setting. Yeah, but um, the version that they used was an ad- an adaptation from the five acts. Yes. Okay. That was very good. I thought I really enjoyed it. Good. It's very entertaining. Good for that. Yes. Shakespeare so, takes balls. Right. Yes, it does. I give credit to anyone who's doing it. You know. So well, yeah. So that's about it for, for our weekend and everything. So I guess we'll go into our first segment then. What's What's that? That's the dogs. Mm. Yeah. Yes, time for a little heavy petting. And we have two news stories here to tell you about. First one's about a dog helping to rescue a toddler. Oh, dear. This happened in Detroit. I'm Uh, sorry, where did it happen? In Detroit. Detroit. Mm Mm-hmm. Or Detroit, if you prefer. Or if you're from (laughs) this part of the country, Detroit? (laughs) Is there a problem with my pronunciation of the D word? I understood it. Detroit. In Michigan. Detroit. (laughs) So what happened up in Detroit? Well, anyway, there was a house fire that started in this unit, in this multifamily residence on this home. And I guess it worked its way up to this top residence where a woman's fiance's brother was basically watching some of the kids at the house while the mother and the fiance were out shopping. Okay. And the fire started that filled with smoke right away. Well, yes, yeah, smoke goes up. And there was a uh, one-year-old toddler in a crib upstairs that they couldn't get to right away until the fire department showed up. Oh, my God. But 
they had the 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 family had a three year old pit bull lab mix called Blue, and it basically stayed by the crib with the with the child and was able to bark and let the the firemen know where, where they, they were, were located then. So they were able to save the child. Everyone escaped from the fire unharmed. I have suspicions here. Mm-hmm. How, what, what do you mean when you say they couldn't get to the baby? Because of the amount of smoke that had filled the the area. So they left. I, I guess. I don't know. I don't know how quick this all happened. Well, you said until the fire department got there. That's going to take three minutes. Yes. But I don't know how quickly their area, the residence, filled up with smoke during that time. They lived at the top of the house. Mm-hmm. The, the fire started at the bottom of the house. Yes, but they may not have been aware that the fire was no. in the bottom of the house until it was up by. Them. They wouldn't be. No, but the smoke is going to get to them first. Right. It just seems to me that it's odd that they didn't go get that baby. I don't know. I don't know all the details. But the important thing is the baby was rescued. Yes, the baby was protected by yes. the dog and, yes. and rescued by the... Yes, that's an important part of the story. Yes. Yeah, it's um not the most interesting part of the story. Have you ever been in a fire where a room smells, fills up with smoke? No. I, I have. Okay, but I've been... I've seen... And it. it's I've, not easy to walk around in an area filled with smoke like that. I, I, I appreciate that. I also have seen mothers who are going to who, parents who are not going to leave they're going to leave their baby in a in, in an environment to smoke that they have to get out of because they can't uh, like i said i don't know all the details oh, no, i yes, wasn't there me social security but obviously they this. couldn't get to the child in time before the fireman arrived okay okay Did they but the important thing is the child was saved yes it wasn't and 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 held by that dog Yes. Protected by that animal. Yes. Oh, my God. I'm just saying. Making such a drama out of a good story here. No, this this story provoked a question. And I tried to answer it as best as I could. But obviously, that wasn't satisfactory to you. I wasn't looking for you. I was just speculating on on another aspect of the story that uh, probably would have made the rest of the story, including what made it adorable, moot. But anyway, so what's next on our compendium of canines? Well, that's not... We're not up to that yet. Okay, sorry. There's a world's ugliest dog contest. I Applications is. just became available. Did Steven take your picture? <laughs> <laughs> you could be a, a, a British bulldog. Yeah. This is held annually in California. It's uh, for owners of aesthetically challenged canines seeking to improve, to prove the unsightliness of their doggies. It's held each June at the Sonoma Marin Fair. Okay. And since a good many of, the, of these dogs are from shelters and puppy mills, they use the occasion of this contest to help promote dog adoption then, okay. and rescue dogs. It offers a top prize of $1,500 for the owner of the canine crown, the world's ugliest dog, okay. with $200 for second place and $150 for third place. Nice. The contest also includes a spirit award for the dog and owner with the most inspiring story. Uh-oh. And a People's Choice Award to be voted on by the public. Nice. Right? So if you want to apply, if you want more information, you can go to their website, which is sonoma-marinfair.org. There was one dog that won that. I think it, it made the dog, but I think it made the whole thing. Okay. Famous. Well, popular. Oh, yeah. They've been holding it for years, but there was this one dog. Yes, yeah, so it was like one year they, they like publicized this dog. Oh, it was. And yeah. I love that. I love that whole idea. I think it's a great idea. It's fun. It really is. Because the dog don't know what's ugly, and the dog don't care. The no. dog's just like, people! And yeah. they're, every ugly, ugly dog, there's someone there who's going to love it. And you look know? just like it. Yep. 
And now we return to our compendium of canines. Okay. And we are up to the letter W today. W is a Weimaraner. You are very good. It's a Weimaraner. Weimaraner, yeah. Yes. I expect people to know that. (laughs) Weimaraner. It was originally bred as a hunting dog in early 19th century Germany. Yes. It, the name comes from the Grand Duke of Saxe-Weimar-Eisenach, whose court was located in the city of Weimar. Well, okay. And he enjoyed hunting. So it was used primarily by royalty for hunting large game like boar, bear, and deer. But then as the popularity of large game hunting declined, it then... They started using it for fowl and rabbits and uh, foxes. It's considered what they call a, a gun dog. In other words, you shoot, you get it, the dog goes after it. Then. Right, brings it back to you. Yeah. Would you like to see a picture of the yeah, Weimaraner? I've, I've actually known a few in real life. They're nice dogs. Yes, they are. Look at that. Yeah. Beautiful shape. Yeah. I love the puppies. All the puppies. Look at those eyes. Oh, my God. What beautiful eyes, right? But they stand about 23 to 28 inches high, weigh between 60 to 90 pounds. The eyes can be light amber, gray, or blue-gray, and the ears are long and velvety. Coat is extremely low-maintenance. It's short, hard, and smooth, and can range from charcoal blue to mouse gray to silver gray or even blue-gray. I would be happy with some blue-gray, short, hard, and smooth. And not just an Weimar honor. I was talking about the fucking dog. Oh, okay. I was just making sure. Yeah, all right. Yeah. <laughs> the dog is also known for its speed, stamina, great sense of smell, great eyes, courage, and intelligence. Yes, sir. But it also has an excessive amount of energy that yes, requires sir. a good outlet. So if you own a Weimar honor, hope you got a big yard for it. At the very, no, it's not even so much the yard. You got to give it something to think about. Yeah, you got to keep it. You got to go get it. Yeah. It's got to keep active. It's also, uh, what they say, it has a strong desire to work and live with their owners, which makes it a good choice for a novice hunter. It says it requires a gentle training when, a gentle touch when training it to hunt, and it also learns best from another hunting dog. But it says it's not an independent breed. Well, duh. Yeah. Dogs only, dogs learn from other dogs. Not necessarily. What if they're brought up alone? What if they're brought up alone? it, well, if the dogs are brought up alone from each other, when they come together as adult dogs, you have what you have. It's like a human relationship. Oh, do they trade secrets then, like a convention? They might, but, but they, <laughs> that's still, they're going to learn from the other one. I Never mind. But as I was saying, Weimaraners are not known to be an independent dog, and they can suffer a severe separation anxiety. Yes, a needy bitch. Right? I, which I, I was not aware of that. Yeah. I always thought since it was a hunting dog, it'd be well, but, more independent. Uh, uh, no, because hunting absolutely depends on the hunter. I guess so. The dog's job doesn't happen until after the hunter. Like the dog takes its cue from the hunter. So he's like that. His whole everything, everything is like that. Yeah, the whole life is like that. Waiting for cues from the hunter. Yep, I guess so. Mm-hmm. So that's the story of the Weimaraner. They're nice dogs. I didn't know that they were uh, not shed, not sheddy. Like they must be sheddy. I'm sure they must shed a bit, you know. But it doesn't seem like it says that they have a short coat. So that's usually fur, and I'm allergic to fur. Oh no, I am. <laughs> 
It used to be just cats, but now it's also fur-bearing dogs. We now move on to our next segment. Where's the happy light? birthday. Many happy returns. A very happy birthday. Yes, it's time for today's birthdays. And lucky you, this person is still alive. Lucky me, he's the one who's still alive. <laughs> he was born today, March 1st, 1927, in Harlem, New York. His mother was a child of a Scottish-Jamaican mother and an Afro-Jamaican father. So we're not doing Tommy Toon. And his father was a child of a black American mother and a Dutch-Jewish father of Sephardic Jewish descent. All right, so hold on. Now, hold on. I thought we were doing Tommy Toon, so I was waiting for the first <laughs> No, no, that was last week. <laughs> no, Tommy Toon is today. What do you mean? Oh, his, his birth, Tommy Toon. That was birth. yesterday. I think it's today. That was yesterday because I posted about it. March 1st. Yep, I know. I'm going to go look at our Facebook page right now. Isn't today March 1st? Today is March 1st, but it's not his birthday. It was. It may have been, but it it's but not today. But you decided today. that it was going to be the 28th? I, I didn't decide it. This was what came up on the calendar. I'm going to show you here in a second as soon as I can find You're it. You're going to show me what you posted. Yep. Yeah, so what the hell is that? Uh, it's, that's, you're just you're using the wrong information as proof. No, I'm using my information because I relied on the information from the internet. Oh, and you know how reliable the internet can be. Yes, one day ago. His birthday was yesterday. Tommy Toon's birthday was yesterday. Yes. Happy birthday, Tommy Toon. So, yeah, so we're not talking about Tommy Toon. Uh, so now we've got to start this whole thing over again. Because <laughs> I was not listening to a word you said. Gee, what a surprise. I heard Harlem and Jew, okay? And I'm not about to start putting together that puzzle. So, go. Well, from fa fa from age five to third. No, you got to start from where they... Oh, I got to start from the very fucking beginning? I, I don't know that information, okay? So, if you, if it's necessary information, you need to go back. If you don't care, to keep going forward. Whatever. Just giving you my current stats. He was born in Harlem, New York, the son of mixed-race parents. Okay. That's okay. what I'm saying now. In what year? 1927. 1927. Harlem, From mixed race, 1927. Male. From age 5 to 13, he was raised in Jamaica by one of his grandmothers. Okay. He eventually returned to New York, and after graduating high school, he joined the Navy and served in World War II. So he he, he, he lived in Jamaica with his grandmother for yep. 10, 10 or 15 years? For about eight years. Okay, okay. All through school. Yep. He comes back for high school. Well, he comes back for high school, and then he graduates, and then he joined the Navy, and then he ended up serving in World War II. Okay. In the 1940s, he was working as a janitor's assistant. This is after the war, after obviously. After the war. Right, right, right. When a uh, tenant gave him, as a gratuity, two tickets to see a show at the American Negro Theater. Okay, what are you going to see? I don't know a play he said, but he fell in love with the art form, and he then began studying acting at the Dramatic Workshop of the New School in New York. Okay. Alongside Marlon Brando, Tony Curtis, Walter Matthau, B. Arthur, and Sidney Poitier, with whom he became friends. Okay. To pay for his acting classes, he began performing as a nightclub singer. Uh-oh. The first time he appeared in front of an audience, he was backed by the Charlie Parker Band. Oh, shit. Including Charlie Parker, oh, shit. Max Roach... And Miles Davis. Oh, shit. Who is this guy? His first hit song was 1953's Matilda. His breakthrough album was in 1956 called Calypso and became the first LP in the world to sell oh, over this... 1 million copies within a year. Okay, so stop. Give me a second. I have a guess. Okay. Harry Belafonte. Your guess 
Would be correct. Okay. Very good. Harry Belafonte. Once you mentioned Calypso, that's it. That's the giveaway. And then it was because of the, he was in what you call your Jamaica for how long he yep. was there and the mixed races. And yeah, so yeah, Harry Belafonte. And of course, that album, the Calypso, had included the hit, the Banana Boat song known as Deo, which reached number five on the pop charts. And it's still played everywhere. All the, that's like a party standard, isn't it? Pretty much so, yeah. You said that, you said that, you said that, A-A-O. He also starred in several films, including Carmen Jones. Yes, that was with, what's her name? Dorothy Dandridge. Yeah. Yep, and also Island in the Sun. He was actually offered the role of Porgy in Porgy and Bess, but turned it down because of the racial stereotyping. Okay. He was also the first Jamaican-American to win an Emmy for his album Revlon Review Tonight with Belafonte in 1959. It's a terrible title. Yeah, it is a bad title. Of course, many many people who watch film will remember this, uh, the song, not only day, uh, the Banana Boat song, but also Jump in the Line, a.k.a. Shake Sonora from the film Beetlejuice. Right, right, right. <laughs> right. Shake, shake, shake Sonora. Shake, shake your body line. Line. <laughs> He was also a close confidant of Martin Luther King Jr. A during close the 19th. 19- a close confidant okay. of Martin Luther King Jr. Okay. Uh, he became an advocate for many political and humanitarian causes, such as the anti-apartheid movement yes. and the USA for Africa. Yes. Since 1987, he has been a UNICEF goodwill ambassador. Okay. Is he still alive? He's still alive. How old is he? Uh, Well, he was born in 1927, and today is 2023, so I would say he's 96 years old. So I'm saying we're doing a birthday thing on him, and you don't know his age? I just told you his age. Yeah, but you did it by math in your head, and I can't trust that. <laughs> I would much rather trust whatever information you can find on the internet. Tough shit. <laughs> <laughs> he has won three Grammy Awards including a Lifetime Achievement Award, an Emmy Award, and a Tony Award. Okay. In 1989, he received the Kennedy Center Honors. Right, right, right. He was awarded the National Medal of Arts in 1994. Okay. In 2014, he received the Gene Herschel Humanitarian Award at the uh, Academy Awards. Okay. And in 2022, he was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in the Early Influence category and is the oldest living person to have received that honor. Bam. He's done. Yep. What else is Harry Belafonte going to do? What else does he need to do? Well, he might want to run the UN. Why would he want to run the UN? Because he hasn't done it yet. Oh, okay. I mean, come on. That career, Harry Belafonte. And his daughter, what what, what did we know her for? Did she put out an album? Oh, that he has a daughter, Shari Belafonte. Shari Belafonte. She was an actress and a singer as well, I believe. What happened to her? I don't know. You don't hear much about her anymore. Help! Her face. Help! He's a good-looking young man. That face, Jesus Christ. What a good-looking man. 
So to Harry Belafonte, we say happy birthday indeed. However old you are. We now move on to our next segment. And yes, it's time for Bring Out Your Dead. What's that? Think of anybody. Actually, I couldn't find anyone until about a couple of hours ago, where they announced today the death of someone who died about a month ago. But they only announced it yesterday. Okay, so somebody made a, made a scent complaint, an odor complaint. <laughs> they came and checked it out, and they found this guy. <laughs> Her name, let me see if you recognize it. Her name was Linda Kasabian. Do you recognize that name? Kasabian is um, familiar, but somehow uncomfortable. It should be both, Yes. Okay, so that's what I have. She was born Linda Druin and raised in New Hampshire. She left her family when she was quite young. She quit high school at age 16 and moved to the West Coast, where she was briefly married and quickly divorced. She then later moved to Boston and married Robert Kasabian in 1968, with whom she had a daughter and later moved to L.A. What was the daughter's name? I don't know offhand. Did he go with her to L.A.? Yes. Okay. But unfortunately, he neglected her and abandoned her for long periods of time. Because he was in L.A. Right. So she eventually met this woman named Catherine Cher. And he was she was telling Kasabian about this idyllic ranch outside of Los Angeles. Oh, here we go. Where a group of hippies were establishing a hole-in-the-earth paradise to escape an anticipated race war, which they referred to as... Helter Skelter. So this is one of Charlie's angels. She eventually joined what we now right. know as the family, the family led by Charles Manson. All right, so did, was she there? Did she kill him? Well, she was. That's what we're going to get about. She ended up becoming the star witness against Charles Manson and okay. his followers as for the Tate LaBianca murders of 1969. What did she do with her kid? Well, her kid was at the... Was with the family at the ranch, at Spawn Ranch. That's where the family was located. So that's where she was raising her kid and everything. With Charles Manson. Yes. On the nights of the murders, like the first night, she they basically, she thinks that she was asked to go because she had a driver's license. No one else had a driver's license. Okay, yeah. So she was asked to drive and they drove to the Tate residence and she was asked to serve as lookout, but she didn't take part in any of the murders. And then the next night, Manson asked her to drive again and that's when they drove to the LaBianca house and... And that's when Manson went inside, he tied up the LaBiancas, and then instructed others to go stab them. Right. So that was the extent of her involvement. She, according to her, she was never, you know, involved in the actual murders themselves. She drove the getaway car. Yes, did basically. She, did she know what was going on inside? At the time, no, because she said initially when they joined the family, they would go on these road trips that they would call creepy crawls, in which they would basically break into people's homes and steal possessions that they could either use or sell for money. Okay. In order to sustain their lifestyle. So she's thinking they're off doing this. Yes. And then she realizes, no, it's not that. Okay, so what happened to her? So eventually, she it looks like she's at one point went back to New Hampshire to visit her mother or whatever. This bitch crossing the country, one end to the other. Right. The family, in the meantime, members of them had been arrested for car theft. And an arrest warrant was issued for Kasabian. She turned herself in. And then I guess she started to tell them... 
her story. So then they offered her immunity from prosecution, and she became a star witness against the, the Manson family. Now here's my And question. they attribute her testimony as to convicting them in the first place. Okay, so did she do all of that from New Hampshire? Mm-mm. No, no, no. I'm, she I'm, came back. She had to come back at least for the trial. Yes. But did she make a deal? Did Because she, she turned herself over to New Hampshire Police Department. So mm-hmm. now the, the, the New Hampshire Department of Justice is in charge of this girl. Does she automatically go back to L.A.? Or does she and her lawyer and the, the, the DA in... Depending on what you read, there are some, including Vincent Bugliosi, who say that she was willing to offer her testimony regardless of an immunity agreement. But that it was her attorney who insisted that she have an immunity agreement. Okay. That doesn't answer the question, but it's uh, it's an interesting fact. Yeah. Okay. So she ended up testifying against him and everything, and that was, you know, we know what all happened with that. Afterwards, she returned back to her husband for a while, then she lived in a hippie commune for a while. She was later detained for numerous traffic violations until she became partially disabled in an auto accident. Okay, well, that's what happens when you're the only one with a license. Right? You're so bad. Since 2009, she's only made a handful of appearances in documentary films or on TV explaining her role in the, in the murders and everything. And she was supposedly living in, like, near poverty at the time of her death near Tacoma, Washington. She died in a hospital there. In Tacoma, Washington? Yes. Do we know why she she died? No, no uh, cause of death was cause specified death. on the death certificate. How old was she? She was, I believe, 73. I read that right. Oh, 73, yep. Huh. Yeah, so that's a story of that's, Linda Kasabian. That's an interesting story right there. That's right? a story that only one person can tell. Yeah, right? She testified from what I was reading for like 17 to 18 days that they had her on the trial oh, because of all the attorneys and the cross-examination and right. everything. And the the minutiae, the detail, the... Yeah. Over and over and over again. And at one point, uh, the, the, the Manson and the other defendants were trying to say, oh, it was her idea all along. She's the one who planned this whole thing. <laughs> But of course, no one believed that at that point. That, who's going to believe that this dingbat girl who's going to follow you is going to come up with a plan like this yeah. that you agreed to follow? Right, exactly. Yeah, no. Uh, so, yeah. rest in peace, Linda Kasabian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a hell of a life. Right? right? Yeah, that is a hell of a life. So now we move on to our next segment. Today in history! Patsy and <laughs> And today, on March 1st in 1932, the 20-month-old baby was abducted from its crib in the upper floor of, of its home. Charles Lindbergh's house. Charles Lindbergh's home in East Amwell, New Jersey. Yeah. Who um, took that kid? From what I've... According to approximately 10 p.m. on that night, the Lindbergh's nurse found that the baby was not with his mother, and Mara Lindbergh, who had just come out of the bathtub. She then alerted Charles Lindbergh, who went to the child's room, where he found a ransom note containing bad handwriting and grammar in an envelope on the windowsill. Really? You're going to stop and judge the grammar of the, of the ransom well, note? Well, this is... I'm sure you didn't do that at the time. This is just a story. Okay. Jesus. He then took a gun and went around the house and the grounds, but and they found impressions in ground under the window of the baby's room, pieces of a broken uh, wooden ladder, and a okay. baby's blanket. I uh, see. Now, my impression is they found the ladder at the window. They found pieces of it. Like, still up. I guess, yeah. But it wasn't because, as they found out later on, because the person they arrested for and who was eventually convicted for, Bruno Hauptmann, had a diagram of how to build the ladder and it was it, it shows it was built incorrectly oh uh, so 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 would a guy who had the manual build it incorrectly what are you, what are you talking about he has the manual why would he build it incorrectly 
Who said he had a manual? You just said. I didn't say he had a. No, I said Bruno he manually. Hauptmann. No, I said he manually built the ladder. He okay. had a diagram. Let's go back and. Okay. When they searched his home and they eventually arrested him, they found a diagram of how to build the ladder. Okay, so in my head, I'm calling that a manual. <sighs> a diagram and a manual are two very different things. Okay, so he has this <laughs> sketch of how to do this thing, build yes. the ladder. Yes. Okay. Uh, and he and when they when they discovered they also this, found on the wall of his house. The phone number of the intermediary who transferred the ransom money to him. And they were able to trace him because they paid him in gold certificates when they paid the ransom. And at the time, they were about to take gold certificates out of circulation. So... I guess the police or the FBI, they recorded all the certificate numbers, had them circulated to the banks, and eventually it turned, one of the numbers turned up, and they traced it down to this man, this German immigrant named Bruno Hauptmann. I didn't know that carpenter. This, this is how we knew Bruno Hauptmann. Because they, they, they could not find any fingerprints at all. On the ladder, anywhere else in the in you know in the in the in the kid's room, I guess. I would have sworn that this is one of America's great untold stories, unsolved mysteries. Well, he has he maintained his innocence to the end. He said the money he got was from this other man named Leon Leo Fisher or Leon Fisher, and that it was his money. And he was even offered, like before he was executed, to make a full confession for a certain amount of money from some magazine. And he refused to do it. He would not confess to it. I can't imagine uh, that there's that much cash that's offered to me the moment before they turn the switch. That's not appealing to me. I know. At that point, what what good is that money going to do In five minutes, I'm going to be dead. So, you know, the money doesn't... I, I don't know. But it's been theorized that there were more than just him involved in it. Well, what happened to the There was baby? even speculation that Charles Lindbergh accidentally killed the child. Did they ever find the body of the baby? Yes. The child was found about three months later in May. A truck driver had pulled over to urinate in the woods and found the corpse. Do you know that this is like all of these facts of this story? I had a completely different set of facts. Okay. Well, what were the set of facts that you knew? The, the, they find out the baby's missing. He mm-hmm. takes the gun and goes outside. Mm-hmm. Okay. As he's going around the house, he sees that the, the wooden ladder is still up against the house to his child's room. Okay. The child's window is open. And, of course, for dramatic effect, we blow some wind through the curtain. Right. Okay. So that that is there and that they never found the child again they never saw anything they never knew anything about the child who his kidnappers were or nothing but they had suspected at some point that it had been Charles Lindbergh himself yes that's the story I know and at one point there was even a, I think a maid or a servant who worked at the house who they suspected because she didn't provide an alibi for her whereabouts and they questioned her about three times and they were about to question her a fourth time when she committed suicide well yeah you know what you know what she was doing? she was under so much pressure about this whole thing. You well, know? she had to do. Where were you? What were you doing? And uh, she didn't want to say she was fucking the guy from across the street. I know, right? And of course, uh, if it's in uh, popular literature, Agatha Christie d- dramatized a lot of this in her, her book, Murder on the Orient Express. Okay. I'm she took a, lo- with- a lot of those details actually mirror what occurred in the Lindbergh kidnapping. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, so that, that happened, yeah, back in 1932. 1932. Yeah. When did they find the body? Uh, three months later. It was oh, May, three May 12th oh, of that oh, year. Oh, 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 oh. How old was the baby? Uh, 20 months old. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, yeah, that was considered the one of the, the, the crime of the century, of the, century. the trial of the century. There's a podcast called Crimes of the Century, and it must cover this. No, yeah, they covered. There's so much of it. There's, yeah, there's so many episodes. That's the thing about podcasts. The most successful ones, I think, have a point. Ours has a point. Uh, <laughs> go ahead. What's the point? To entertain and to inform. Okay, I have two. Well. I have a single observation, but there's two sides to it. Oh, okay. You either have a really demented, <laughs> tasteless idea of what's funny, or you have a completely unearned inflation <coughs> of your comedic abilities. And certainly mine. All right, whatever. I forgot what the topic was. Okay. Isn't this dead people? We we just finished with Today in History. Today in History. We're now moving on to our next topic. What day is it? Could you play Wait a minute. What I forgot what happened today in history. Could you do that was the Lindbergh kid. Oh, the Lindbergh kid. Yes. Okay, 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 okay. I know. We just talked about it so long ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You want to guess what today is? Today is the National Day of Confetti. No. It is International Bug Spray Day. No. It is the National Gay and Lesbian... Uh, boy, did I paint myself into a corner with this one. The National Gay and Lesbian Day of... Uh, uh, wedded Bliss. Oh, you're so close, but what, no. What is <laughs> Today is World Seagrass Day. Seagrass. 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 It was right in front of me the whole time. Of course. Seagrasses, of course, are the only flowering plants which grow in marine environments. I like seagrass. There are between like 60 to 70 species of marine yeah, seagrasses. Yeah, yeah. They form dense underwater seagrass meadows which are among the most productive ecosystems in the world. Oh, no, I like the ones that are on the beach. Oh, the ones that grow on the beach? Well, they're mostly on the water, you mean. Not the ones that grow on land. Those aren't seagrasses. Okay. They have to grow on the water. Okay, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. Seagrasses function as important carbon sinks. In other words, they ingest a lot of carbon, which is very helpful to the environment. Right, right, They also provide habitats and food for a diversity of marine life, comparable to that of coral reefs. How deep is it? Uh, They're not necessarily deep, and they only cover about 0.1 to 0.2% of the ocean's surface. But since the late 19th century, over 20% of... Global seagrass area has been lost. The seagrass bed loss is occurring at a rate of 1.5% each year. So where does one find seagrass? I've never seen seagrass. Would you like to see what it looks like? I'd like to know where it's found. But yes, I'd like to know what it looks like. I'll show you what seagrass looks like. Seagrass! That looks underwater to me. I guess it is. Okay, yeah, I've never seen this shit. You've never seen seagrass? No, not on any beach I've been on. In, uh, You've never seen uh, like it sticking up out of the water? Uh, maybe, maybe. We're, I'm asking you where it's found. In the water. In what waters is it found? <laughs> the ocean waters. Never mind. But anyway, of the 72 global seagrass species, approximately one quarter of them are now at a threatened or near-threatened status. All right, we got to do something for the seagrass. Threats include a combination of natural factors, such as storm and disease, and also man-made factors due to habitat destruction, pollution, and climate change. How are we destructing their habitat? Because of activities such as coastal land development, motorboating, 
and fishing practices like trolling that destroy the seagrass beds. Mo- Motorboating is just a complimentary mowing <laughs> of the seagrass. Oh, is it? Exactly. Go ahead. Well, that's the story of seagrass. All right, seagrass. So happy world seagrass today. Happy world seagrass day. Today. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to not use... I mean, you know what? I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. That's not a very positive attitude. Yeah, the seagrass. Yeah, I feel bad for you know, but shit. We now. Ah, yes, it is. Seagrass. We now turn to our next topic, which is turn your head and cough. Seagrass. (laughs) (laughs) And how much do you exercise daily, Tommy? Why don't you go take your nosy motherfucking self (laughs) and mind your own business about how much I do of anything? Well, you might like to know that there was a study published in the British Journal of Sports Medicine on Tuesday. I hate this already. In which the University of scientists at the University of Cambridge looked at data from 196 studies, which amounted to more than 30 million adult participants. And they were able to determine that just 11 minutes of moderate to vigorous intensity aerobic activity per day could lower your risk of cancer, cardiovascular disease, or premature death. Well, you're wrong. I would not like to know that. (laughs) Aerobic activities would include, like, walking, dancing, running, jogging, cycling, or swimming. Do you do any of those activities? I know how to do all of them. (laughs) But do you do them on a daily basis? Uh, Perhaps two of them. Okay. I guess the walking part. I do the walking. We know you don't run. We know you don't jog. Oh, no. No, no, no. no. And you want a bicycle? No. No, no, but I wonder how... And you're allergic to water, so swimming's out. I'm not allergic to water. I just think it's gross. (laughs) Like a pool, a public pool. Somebody showed me pictures of them on on their cruise. Yes. In the hot tub. Okay. I I was like, I tasted lunch again. It was like... No, pools are gross. It's like human stew. It's no, no, no. No good? No good. The ocean is better because it's in motion. It don't sit there year after year after year collecting all sorts of grossness. It changes every couple of minutes. And uh, that high salt content is uh, soothing to me. <laughs> so the ocean is one thing, but I haven't been there. Uh, Sounds too hot. So... Do you get do you engage in any other physical activity on a daily basis? I'm going to go back to my original response to you, <laughs> which was that you should go fuck yourself. Asking me those kinds. I mean, of, I mean, aside from walking and polishing your knob, but anything those, else? Those personal <laughs> questions that you had. <laughs> That you have no right to ask. I mean, I can tell you that the only activity I really engage in is walking the dog, but I do want to start riding the bike again. I miss riding the bike. Do you? Yes, do, I do. Do you really yeah. miss riding the I bike? I couldn't ride it all this past summer because of the, the seizure I had in July. Yeah, that'd be scary to a whole bunch of kids have seen some old man seize on a bicycle. <laughs> yes, that would not be a pleasant sight to see. I don't have a bicycle. Get one. I know. I, I first of all, go, no. <laughs> No, I have no way to store it. I have no way to, to no, and I'm not wearing a helmet. Oh, no, no, forbid. I refuse. I will not wear a bicycle helmet. We want to try one on. We've got two here. But I do want one of those 1940s style, the one that Ralph would like, 
ride into the Von Trapps to deliver the final message. Do you want the basket in the front on the handlebars? Yes, but... And yes. the little bell that you would... I, it has to have a bell. I mean, a bell or a horn. I prefer a horn. Ah, a horn. Like a... I like that. Ding, 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 ding. It's not for me. We squeeze a bulb and make a loud noise. Oh, my God. Squeeze a bulb and make a loud noise. We got to isolate that. There's something in there. There's an idea in there. There's a musical. There's a book. Squeeze the bulb. There's a porno. And make a loud noise. <laughs> a song, at least. There's, at there's least. At least a song. <laughs> Squeeze the bulb and make a loud noise. All right. Okay. I'm never going to remember it. I know. And you're going to cut it. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, so. In that case, I'll move on to the next segment. I'm so glad you saw Yes, it's time for the week in fascism. And what a week it's been. And we're going to start off right at the top with good old Rupert Murdoch. Who, for those of you who don't know, they released his deposition transcript in which he testified under oath that, yes, he encouraged his nighttime anchors to promote all the election lies about Dominion and all the other election lies that Trump was promoting. And also we found out today that he gave information about Biden's ads to Jared Kushner. How do you... Like, that was in his deposition. Well, the thing with Jared Kushner was found in an email. Yeah, that was separate from Murdoch's deposition. He admitted the whole thing in the deposition. And he admitted that they, they basically did it because they were afraid of losing viewers to Newsmax. It was, as he said, it wasn't red or blue, it was green. It was all about the money. But it's like, if you're not convinced now that Fox News Channel is just is nothing but a propaganda wing for the Republican Party and the conservative movement. If this won't convince you, nothing will. You know? Yeah. Nothing will. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there it is. It's in, it's, it's in the depositions. They're sworn put, depositions. They're not doing anything really illegal. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're unmoral and, and immoral. Well, maybe not criminally, but don't forget, this all came out as part of the defamation suit brought right. by the Dominion right, voting right, right. systems. So this is this is not hurting. This is not helping Murdoch's case. No. It's helping uh, Dominion, of course. As on it the should. other hand, let's see. Let's see what happens if Murdoch loses everything. Fox News Corporation is taken away from Murdoch and sold for its parts. Right, which seems unlikely. Number n- number one, Dominion's only suing for like one point two billion dollars. Although a jury can award more. Huge but from what I've read, he has like $4 billion in cash on hand. Ready to go. Yeah. So he loses Fox everything. God. I wish he did. What did he care? What does he care? He's a 115-year-old Australian gnome who has more money than his family will ever be able to spend. But obviously it wasn't enough. And that's why he allowed all this bullshit to go on. At, this, at some point... Well, I don't know. I don't know. He was afraid of losing money and viewers to Newsmax. Yeah, because it was part of his portfolio that was reliably making money. And so let's make it sure it makes the money. Give them what they want. Give the people what they want. Give the people what they want. That's how they make money. Give the people what they want. And he gave the people what they wanted. He told his employees, give the people what they want. And his employees behind everybody's back was going, this is fucking crazy because these people are lunatics. And uh, now we're finding out about it. Well, if I were Charles Schumer, I'd be calling for a Senate investigation of the Fox News Channel and its role 
in in January six. Uh, Pretty much the same way when they in, in, they investigated the Rwanda radio stations during the Rwandan genocide. What found the, them guilty of encouraging the genocide? So, so the charge would be encouraging to riot. Yeah, and aiding and abetting a riot against the United States government. That would be your charge against your. I don't. Charge. I don't know. I'm not. I'm, this is not my field of expertise in the law, but along those general lines, all right, yeah, all right. criminal charges. Uh, if it, uh, yeah, I would consider it. Like I said, there should be a full Senate investigation. Oh, Senate investigation. Yep. Let them let them deal with it first. See what's there to find. Yeah, it's not going to happen. I know. Unfortunately, it won't. Yeah, it's not going to happen. But that's what I'd be doing. Too much money. Robert, uh, Rupert Murdoch has too much money, and he gives too many of them too much money. Yeah. Anyway, we now move on from Rupert Murdoch to Tennessee. Tennessee. Because Tennessee is about to be the first state in the nation to criminalize drag. Oh. The bill creates an offense for a person who engages in an adult cabaret performance on public property or in a location where the performance could be viewed by a person who is not an adult. It defines adult cabaret entertainment as adult-oriented performances that are harmful to minors, as such a term is defined under present law, featuring uh, includes go-go dancers, exotic dancers, strippers, male or female impersonators, or similar entertainers. It defines harmful to minors as a quality or representation in whatever form of nudity, sexual excitement, sexual conduct, excess violence, sadomasochistic abuse when the uh, when the matter of performance will be found to uh, appeal to the prurient interests. A first violation would be a Class A misdemeanor, which you can face up to six months in jail and a $500 fine. Any subsequent violations after that would be a Class E felony in which you could face one to six years in jail and up to three thousand dollars in fines. Ain't that some shit? So I guess they won't be doing the Rocky Horror Picture Show on any public venue in Tennessee anytime soon. Can Can Tootsie tour there? Can they do Shakespeare? I mean, it's just that's fair. Is Looney Tunes included? In that? Yeah. What's What's it's the, that's what I mean. The problem. This law is so vague that people are predicting that it'll eventually be tossed by a court. For being unconstitutionally vague. Listen, if it gets passed and it becomes the law... Which it will. The governor has already said he's going to sign it. This is the governor who they dug up his high school yearbook photo of him in drag. drag. Yeah. He's already said he's signing it. So he signs the bill. It becomes law in Tennessee. Yep. If civilization itself doesn't die in the meantime, eventually that's going to get stricken. Like Like this... Eventually it may get stricken, yeah. We're talking about Florida now. I mean, not Florida, Tennessee. Tennessee. I don't know. So it may get stricken, but in the meantime, you're gonna you're gonna have people getting arrested for no fucking good reason. I'm which sorry. is why it's which is why it's eventually gonna get turned around because it's it's the unintended consequences that that are gonna come from enforcing that law. Yeah, they're gonna lose billions of dollars. And uh, to me, it's the equivalent of when they banned gay bars. Basically, you know, you couldn't uh, have a same, you know a bar full of same sex people. You know, that's what it reminds me of. How do you uh, like? How do you I don't know. How do you how do you make sure that's how, how do you make sure that a bar is is a gay bar aside from everybody dance now like 
How do you enforce that? They did. They would. Okay. All you guys can't get together in this bar. You got to have some women in here? Yeah. Basically, yeah. That's the way it used to be a long time ago. I remember the He-Man Women Haters Club. Yes, the Little Rascals. Yes. But we're not talking about them. We're talking about Dragon Tennessee. All right. Uh, well, what used to be called Dragon Tennessee. Yeah. So they do drag They do drag performances in their homes on private property. They do drag performances if they have to. If they have well, to. that's the thing. Like you couldn't do, you probably couldn't do La Cage au Folle or well, um, say public places or any place where a person not an adult can view it. So that would include theaters, then it, it would include unless theaters enforced a 18 and over law. No showing kinky boots. Yeah, right? No, no kinky boots. There's exactly. No tootsie, there's no, you know, queen of the desert. It's just, yeah, it's there's just... no lacage. The list goes on. Yeah. All right, so... So that's the latest. I think trying to enforce it is going to cause a problem, and I think that eventually history swings left. And, um... We can hope. Yeah. We can it's, hope. It, you know, it, I think they're fighting so hard. They're going down to the to to they're they're sacrificing their dignity and their respect in order to make these arguments. And I think it's because it may be the last breath, the last fight of a the last. You know what I mean? Like, I know, but it only gets worse. Just now we have a story here. Oh, it's going to get worse. Now we have a story here from Florida. Man, this is kind of late in the show for one of those. You're right. Florida State Senator Blaze Ingoglia is backing a bill in Florida called the Ultimate Cancel Act. It would ban any political party that once included slavery in their platforms from running in the state. Now, gee, what party historically had slavery in its platform. Yeah, the Democrats. The Democratic Party. But of course, that, that was 160 years ago. And even then, the Democratic Party split because the Northern Democrats were like, we should leave slavery up to the popular vote. And the Southern Democrats were like, no, we should just have it as an institution and that's it. Everybody, everybody, every thinking person knows this story. Of course. Okay. Of so course. And we've seen the big switch now since 1964. Yeah. The, the important thing that this has to do with today is that they tried uh, gerrymandering to make sure that that the right people didn't vote. Yeah. Uh, because we can't win against the Democrats. And then they tried the the thing with the uh, registration or the signatures. And, and yeah. Because uh, we got to make sure those people don't vote. Because if they vote, we can't win. And then we have we want we got to recount everything. Yeah. Okay. Everything. Nevada. Remember that that, that debacle in Nevada? Do you remember what happened? Do you yep. know what happened? Nothing happened. Exactly. Okay. This huge thing about this fucking recounter, and because it always swing, it's gonna swing left. Yeah. These these people are uh, outright <laughs> being the Democratic Party, like outright. Because I mean, this would be like the Democrats introducing a law saying we're gonna ban any party that promoted uh, gun laws. In the country. Oh, so that'd be the Republican Party. But then they're not even being that clever. They're not even being that no uh opaque. They're saying no, the Democratic Party, we're gonna outlaw the Democratic Party. Why? Because gerrymandering didn't work and the poll things didn't work and the scare tactics didn't the only way we're gonna beat these motherfuckers is to ban them. And that's what Hitler did too. He banned parties also. That's who they're modeling their behavior off of now. It's just unreal. Yeah. It's gonna get real real. People they're don't realize gonna, that. And then 
it's going to get real quiet. Yep. Anyway, another story from Florida. This one, Florida State Representative Adam Anderson fired, filed a bill that would extend uh, the Don't Say Gay law from pre-kindergarten through grade 8. Right now, it's from kindergarten through grade 3. He wants to extend it now from pre-kindergarten through grade 8. The bill would also define sex as binary and says it must be treated by the state as an immutable biological trait. It would also expressly prohibit transgender, non-binary, and other students from providing personal pronouns even if they do not correspond to the sex assigned at birth. You mean especially if they do not align with the sex yeah. assigned at birth. And this is so radical. They're even making sure this legislation covers the charter schools because right. the original Don't Say Gay law didn't cover the charter, charter schools. schools. It's like, why? Wow, you're even going after the religious schools on this? Yeah. I'm sure they would have fully cooperated with you on this. Yeah, it's disgusting. We'll now move on to our next topic then. Day, me say day, me say day, me say day, yeah, yeah, yo. Yes, it's time for We Like to Watch. I finished Prince Harry's book. Oh, you read his book? Finally. Wow. I've been, re it's, it's taken like. It's called Spare, it's right? It's called Spare, which is heartbreaking. Okay. Well, uh, have you read it? Have you heard it? I have not read it. it. I have only time? read the excerpts in the news. Then tell me what you think. How do you feel about Prince Harry? I like Prince Harry. Okay. First of all, if I've seen that picture from him on People Magazine, he is hot as fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He really yeah, yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Um, did you see the Oprah interview? Yes, I watched I watched parts of that, too. Did you see the Netflix documentary? No, I did not watch that. Stephen watched it. I did not. Okay. I mean, let's put it this way. I don't see anything wrong with what he's saying or doing. Okay. You know? I I happen to be sympathetic toward him. So am I. I think the, I think the firm, as he refers to yeah. him. He's treating him and his wife like shit. He, um... I mean, they just moved him out of that Frogmore... They just moved him. Out yeah, of Frogmore yeah. so they could move Prince Andrew in there. And who doesn't want to be there? Yeah. But I don't think there's anything minor enough for Prince Andrew. Probably not. Than that Frogmore cottage. Yeah. Which is a five-bedroom home. Yeah, I know. Ain't no cottage. Um... <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, I, I like him. He's Diana's boy. He's Diana's young bad boy. He's, you know, and he he owns that. He wonders whether or not he was sort of over... There's too much expected of that aged person. Yeah. And how much of it was that and him and Megan. And William does not come off well... Oh, I'm sure he doesn't. But he is very um, predictable. Like, you can tell that William has drank the Kool-Aid. He has accepted the fate. He is, he's next in line. He's, so. He is preparing. Uh, he's understanding his place and his role. And, and like uh, it did for Elizabeth... Elizabeth had to disappoint Margaret over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah, she did. And William is prepared to disappoint Harry. Yep, over and over again. Um, that there's a question whether or not he he would be invited to the coronation. Well, I was going to say, I was going to ask. Do you think there'll be a reconciliation before the coronation? I I don't know the answer to that. I would imagine not. Yeah, they just kicked him out of his British home. I know he'll find what he wants in San Diego or Santa Barbara. I think he's in. Santa I, I don't Barbara. know where he's living I think now. He's in Santa Barbara. It's common knowledge. I mean, I think it's very painful what he's going through and has gone through, but I also think he's better off where he is now. Oh, 
Oh yeah, and I don't I don't know much about Meghan Markle. Everyone's saying, "Oh, she's a bitch. She's this. She's that." I don't know anything about her. All I know is she seems to make him happy. He makes her happy. They seem to work well together. Well, what the British press did to that girl? Oh, I've I've seen all that. Disgusting what they did to that girl. And, and I Woman, felt I should say I felt that he feels felt feels. That his responsibility is right her safety. Yeah. And that's where he's coming from. The book is a, yep. a, 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 as much about Diana and Willie, that's what he calls William, and uh, Diana and William as it is about Harry. Yeah. Diana is all over that book. Of um, course. There's no way she could not be. Yeah. There, it's... It's she looms over this whole story. Oh, the, you know? But yeah, he, he feels as though his responsibility is to her and those two babies. And if that means that he's going to have to give this up, that he's going to... Because that, the British press, he goes... The villain of the book is the press. Of course. And he had he felt he had to escape. He was being pushed out. He had to escape. And he was not getting help. And he feels that stories were planted from... Uh, there are there are fractions, uh, factions. Right. Each has their own staff. Yeah. Each has their own. And they household. all work against each other. And if it can help this guy, then I'm going to throw that story about this yep. guy over there. So it makes this guy look better. And, yeah. And it's those courtiers sort of, of, of working back. But yeah, that's uh, yeah, it was an interesting book. Yeah, he's okay. a thirty-something-year-old guy with you know, young guy with fucking wife and two kids and this fucking craziness. Right. You don't want the craziness. Right. Now I'm supposed to judge him for that. <laughs> He's sixth in line for the throne. It will be William, and then it will be William's gay son. Yeah. <laughs> and that will be that generation's scandal. Yes. To the, be continued. The gayness of King George. <laughs> Make sure I get credit for that. The gayness, the gayness of, King. of King George. It's going to be like 50 years before it hits. <laughs> I know. Anyway, aside from reading that book, did you watch or see anything else this past week? Did I watch or see anything else this week? I did, of course. So there was a RuPaul. Of course. Um, and that was Ru. Ru's great. Ru's fantastic. She says hello. Um, <laughs> you, know, you know how much I love it. I don't have to go through it again. She, okay. Uh, it's fun. It's there. It's, uh, yeah. yeah. RuPaul. I, I, I caught up on my RuPaul. I'm trying to get into what comes after RuPaul. There's Ru, there's the, there's the race. There's right. The, the, the episode. Yeah. And then there's Untucked. Right. Which is often yeah. many times better than the episode. Exactly. Followed by, I don't know if it's called, it's a play on the wives of okay. WeHo. So it's a whole bunch of gay men in uh, West Hollywood. Oh, good Lord. And it's like, but they're like names. Okay. What's his name? The, the kid who does all the videos started on YouTube. He's been on RuPaul. The gay black kid. Gee, he's really funny and he's really, really talented. He's been on Broadway. Oh, my God. I can't remember his fucking name. <laughs> anyway, I'm trying to get into that, but it's a little much for me. You know, between the drag race and the uh, untucked, that may be enough gay. For, yeah, gay for one night. <laughs> for one night, you know? <laughs> And I hesitate to say that because here I am spending at the age of 22 how many hours in a gay nightclub. Of course. Couldn't get enough gay, but now it's like, eh. <laughs> Let's switch to TikTok. <laughs> well, I also watch a show. It's a new series called The Law According to Lydia Poet. All right, too many words. It's on Netflix. It's a fictionalization of the true story of this woman who became the first admitted attorney in Italy. Okay. It takes place in like the 1880s in Italy. Okay. 
And each episode is a murder mystery episode. She ends up representing someone wrongfully accused. And at one point, she actually is not allowed to practice law. So she works with her brother, who is an attorney. But she ends up taking the lead in the case more often than not. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like I said, each episode is like a different... There's a whole underlying story about her and her family and this relationship she has with her, I guess, brother-in-law. Sounds like they're trying to teach you about this woman and uh, by using... Uh, Law and Order episodes. Uh, in a manner of speaking, yeah. And the, end, the, cool. the, the series ended, it was like eight episodes, and the season ended where she made an appeal to have her license restored, and it was denied, and she was getting ready, ready to leave for America. But you don't know if she left or not. Okay. So like, we have to wait. So, so se- hopefully the next season. Season two is yep. her in Boston or yeah. New York. Or- yeah. But it's an Italian series. It's dubbed into English. Okay. And very entertaining. All right. And even some decent male, male nudity. Uh, you know I love some male nudity. I knew you would. An Italian male? A Mediterranean male? You're talking right out. What's it called? Email me. No, you send me the no. <laughs> And then also we watched The Murdoch Murders, oh. a southern scandal on Netflix. Now, here's the thing. There are so many of them right now. Well, there's... I didn't know what the whole story was. I saw the headlines recently about Alex Murdoch. Is Netflix the three-episode one? Yes. Okay. And That I watched. So I saw the headlines recently about how he's on trial for the murder of his uh, wife and son. Right. But I didn't know the whole rest of the backstory. Now, here's the thing. Uh, a couple of months ago, there's on my podcasting, okay. my podcast list is the Murdoch mor- murders. You yeah. know me. I go right for something like that. Yep. So you should see my for you list <laughs> or my we think you'd like. Okay. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. It's like a fucking mortuary. But anyway, so I listened to it and I listened to the first season. And then, it, then like you recently, I heard that this is, wait, this is fucking happening now. That's why I decided to watch really the series. Like, yeah. right the fuck now. All right, so... Uh, and then I watched the series, and I was like, holy oh God. shit. Oh, my God. What this whole family has been implicated in, assumed to be involved in, all these deaths. It's just unbelievable. It, it is unbelievable. But it also, it's an example of white privilege, of being white and having the money and being in the right position in the government and being protected because of that, you know? Yeah, it's influence. The Murdoch, Murdochs, Murders, Murders, whatever you the Mur- I know, they, they usually pronounce like Murdoch. Murdoch. You know, they've been, they're a legacy family. They've been in the, yeah, that they've been there for generations. For generations. Um, they could do no wrong. They're evil-looking gingers. Now, I have to say, because of the listeners, both of them may not know this. Yes. That I uh, was a ginger. Yes. I actually kind of still consider myself a ginger, although my hair is no longer red. Only the pubes. My attitude is. (laughs) uh, Being a ginger doesn't end when your hair changes color. It's a life experience. And I had that life experience. And I'm still saying... That these motherfuckers are evil-looking gingers. Yes, they are. Okay, that's just what I'm saying. When people say gingers have no soul, they point at Buster. Uh, yes, or Paul too. Paul was Paul was worse. Paul yeah, probably really had no soul. He was. He was well, he was. He was a from, from what you learn from this this documentary series, he was a really bad, nasty drunk. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was, he was the one in one of the stories you're gonna read about is this 2015 or 2018 boating accident. Right. Where he was driving, he was drunk, and he and his family tried to implicate 
one of his friends were on the boat as driving instead. As actually driving. And a, and a woman died from right, boating right, right. accident, she died. too. You know? Yeah, yeah, the people who were on the boat are like, no, he was driving. But what's good now, according to this documentary, is... They are reopening two of the cases that they mur- these other that the Murdoughs were involved in some way or other. Death cases? Or yes, death cases. Uh, because then you, you're leaving out the whole finance crimes part of this. Oh, I'm not even mentioning that. This is about just about the past murders and deaths right. that they've been implicated in. We're not even talking about Alex Murdoch and all his financial crimes and how he was thrown out of his family firm because of right. all his financial improprieties and taking money from clients. Yeah. He's he's uh he's not a good boy. Nah, not at all. Alec, so Alec. yeah, so definitely watch that. That Al- was Alex going to jail. Yo, I yeah, I would be I think he'll be convicted. Yeah. I yeah. mean when they have that phone the, the video the phone from the sun recording at the dog kennels and it shows that he was there at least two minutes after he said he left. And he left like two minutes and the murders like happened like right, right. after that. It's like, yeah, come on. Come yeah, on. No. And they were there today. They took the jury on a field trip. Yes, I read about that too. So, but yeah, definitely recommend that. We now move on to our next segment. God, Karen, you are so stupid. Oh. Yes, it's time for stupid people. All right, are we are we going to talk about Marjorie Taylor Greene? What for? Saying that the nation needs a divorce. Didn't we talk about that last week? Did we? I thought we we went over that. You don't think it's worthy talking about it? Again? We can talk about it again. What more do you want to no, say no, about no, it? Uh, uh, no. Aside from that, she's an idiot. But unfortunately, there are probably other people like her in the party and in the country who feel the same way yeah. as her. Go on with what you had scheduled. Oh, you want me to go on with what I got scheduled? Let's go on with what you, you had scheduled. You don't want to talk any more about Marjorie? Yeah, uh, if we had already talked about it, then uh, no. Okay. I was going to talk about first one because I have so many people on the stupid people go list. Swing a cat. First one, Scott Adams. Scott Adams is the... The cartoonist who drew oh, oh. Dilbert. And he has a podcast, believe it or not, called... Coffee with Scott Adams. Why would you believe it or not you have a podcast? Yeah, his is a video podcast. Oh. After watching his video podcast, we're definitely doing one in the future. Yeah, you <laughs> hold your breath till I get there. But anyway, on his February 22nd podcast, he said, I've been identifying as black for a while because I like to be on the winning team. And I like to help. I always thought if you help the black community, that's sort of the biggest lever you could find the biggest benefit. But it turns out that nearly half of that team doesn't think I'm okay to be white, which is why I identified as black so I could be on the winning team for a while. Now, what he's referring to is there was a poll by Rasmussen, which is a conservative polling outlet. I thought it was a cough drop serum. But anyway, they asked this rather odd poll that consisted of two statements, and you had to state whether you agreed or disagreed with them. Rasmussen? Yeah. The first statement was... It's okay to be white. Okay. That statement is associated with the white supremacist movement. It would be. Of course it would be. So they use it as part of this poll. And the poll found, it was a poll of a thousand Americans, and uh, there were only, of the of those thousand, only 13, 13% were black. But it found that 72% of those people polled agreed with the statement. And that included... 53% of the black people. That it's okay to be white. Yes. Then they ask the, uh, the other statement, do you agree with this statement? Black people can be racist too. And the poll found that 79% of the respondents agreed with that, including 
66% of black people. That's right. So Adams interpreted this all to mean that then, well, if only, if ne- he said, this is what he said. He goes, if nearly half of blacks are not okay with white people, according to this poll, not according to me, according to this poll, that's a hate group. That's a hate group, and I don't want to have anything to do with them. And I would say the best advice I could give to white people is to get the hell away from black people. I would say, based on the current way things are going, the best advice I would give to white people is to get the way from the hell from black people. Wherever you have to go, just get away, because there's no fixing this. This can't be fixed. It makes no sense what whatsoever as a white citizen of America to try to help black citizens anymore. He Then he said he escaped this situation by living in a neighborhood with a very low black population. Who is it? Scott Adams, a cartoonist who drew, drew the, the cartoon Dilbert. All right. This maintains my argument for the First Amendment. Now we know where the stupid people are. Of course. I'm not saying he should be banned for what he's saying, but he's suffering the consequences of it, of it now because he's been dropped by all these newspapers. His distributor dropped him. He's fucked as far as his cartoon goes. So this past Saturday on his show, he tried to clarify his prior statements asserting that everyone should be treated as an individual without discrimination. But you should also avoid any group that doesn't respect you, even if there are people within the group who are fine. So this is another ignorant conservative voice. Yeah. Calling for, like, a physical division between people. Yep. All right. This one based on race. Right. Whereas Marjorie was basing it on political affiliation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's the culture war. Yeah. That's what they're turning the next two years up to this election into. The culture war. All right. What's next? The next one on the list is Elon Musk. Oh, Elon. You know, I blocked him and he stole the first three fucking tweets I see. Every day. I believe it. Man's an ass. And just to prove he was an ass, on February 26th, Six, he replied to a thread that defended Scott Adams, oh. saying the media is racist. He then continued, for a very long time, U.S. media was racist against non-white people. Now they're racist against whites and Asians. Same thing happened with elite colleges and high schools in America. Maybe they can try not being racist. Now, as far as the news media goes, the last I recall, most of the news media in this country are owned by corporations that are either owned or headed by white people. White men. Really, really rich. White men. White men. So this bullshit that he's saying that the media is anti-white is bullshit. Especially when you're now a member of the media. Yeah. And of course, this comes from the man from, you know, during South Africa, during apartheid, when his family made their millions in diamond mines down there. It's just like, you can't defend... You gotta so sometimes maybe you gotta ask, does he know better? Because based on his upbringing and based on where and based on how and based on who was around him and based on the political environment and the things that were in the air around him while he was growing up, could you expect him to be any other way? Hopefully, yeah. Well, the answer, of course, is Hope that springs eternal. You could hope that there was a, some experience, some interaction, some, you know, employee or uh, who inspire. You would hope, but if that's what he's coming from, you can't expect him to be any less stupid than that statement indicates. 
But you would have thought he would have become more enlightened through growth and experience. This is what I'm saying: is that he would ha he would have to have broken away from everything that he was raised in and with and around, and worked on and tried to get to other experiences and meet other people and do other things. But when your father owns an emerald mine, why do you got to go experience anything else? I don't know, Elon, you know, I don't know, I, Elon, I have mixed feelings about Elon. Uh, I, I, I don't. I think he's an ass. <laughs> oh, he's an ass. I think he's a total ass. For sure he's an ass. He should not be in charge of any media organization whatsoever. I agree with that, too. Stick with Tesla I building think, rockets and shit. I agree with that. I don't think, too, I don't think of Twitter as a Stay media. in your lane. Exactly. Invest in what's coming next. Yeah. Get me get me to vacation on the moon. But this guy just seems to be in, lo in love with the sound of his own voice, you know? It's that that privilege. It's that yeah. entitlement. Yep. It's that top 0.1%. I don't know. The fuck do I know? Well, next on our stupid people list, speaker Kevin McCarthy, oh. who turned over over 40,000 hours of the Capitol January 6th footage to Tucker Carlson. Yeah, but that stuff is public. So, no, 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 no. This is the Capitol footage, which shows sensitive areas and security areas that are not supposed to be seen by the public. And that only the Speaker of the House... Which only certain people in the government are permitted to see. But he's He turned the whole thing over to Tucker, to Tucker Carlson at Fox News. All right, well, let me ask you a question. Of that material, mm -hmm. is there any possibility of editing something that looks like a peaceful protest? Is there any way of... Well, one of the things... And other than what it was. One of the things they're afraid of, of course, is that Carlson, being the propagandist that he is, is going to manipulate the footage to promote his own agenda. Of course. But my concern, and other people's concern, is showing the security situation at the Capitol, which shouldn't be revealed to the public. Well, I personally am hoping that the security situation at the Capitol has been drastically changed since January 6th of 2000. I'm yeah. sure it has been. But it's still revealing air Areas that are not privy to the public. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I can't, I, uh, based on what the content is, the setting doesn't seem near as important as the conduct of the intruders. Yes. Like, if they were in, to intrude on Marie Antoinette's boudoir, you know, that would be, like, people aren't supposed to see that. On the other hand, look at what these fucking people are acting like. Forget the fact that, you know, right. all, but look, what, what, what are they trying to protect? What are they trying to hide? Secret corridors? Yes. Secret rooms? Yes. Because they don't want to have terrorists get access to this information and stage an attack on the Capitol again. It's, it, it seems to me that, A, either there's not a broad enough perspective of these spaces inside of a video camera that's going to give away their locations inside the building. Okay. Or... B, the floor plan of the building is well established, well known, and people can people can they see what empty rooms are. You know, it's not a hidden thing. People know the layout of that building. Yeah. I don't know which is right. I don't know. But I do know that I'm interested in things like uh, blueprints, like the blueprints of the White House. Okay. I love that. I fucking think that's great. Blueprints are like why? I don't know. I can't read them. I mean, I know what they mean. Oh, they're oh, fucking that room was huge. You know, I see how I don't know. It's just I like maps too. <laughs> okay. I, I like my. It's recently that I discovered that maps are not just where shit is. Like, you can use maps as, like, 
in this country they do this and in this country they do that and you can like use maps as a comparative visualization the map is not the territory i don't know what that means the map is only a representation it may not be what is actually there i'm just gonna let that sink like a <laughs> i'm not gonna rescue you i'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna ask no well anyway to Kevin McCarthy and Elon Musk and Scott Adams, we say... Especially Scott Adams. Or do you think, like, Scott Adams, this whole thing is not so different from J.K. Rowling. In a way, yeah, although he, this, in this case, he was more blatant. Yes. In his, in, his, in his expression of racism. Where is that... And he had a history of making these state, of similar statements in the past. They're too smart. Would you agree that there's, that these people are too smart to not know what the reaction of their uh, comments would be? I, or I call it the arrogance of stupidity. That's what I call it. Th that they didn't. That they didn't. That they don't really. That they that they're so full of themselves that they think that whatever they say was not going to have that adverse effect. Or is it the arrogance of apathy, where they don't give a Fuck that could what be, it says. That could be a part of it, what too. They this obviously, they do give a fuck because now you have J.K. Rowling doing her The Witch Trials of J.K. Rowling podcast, and you have Scott Adams who, a week later trying to issue a clarification. So, come on. Please. I don't know. They know they fucked up. They know, well, they know it doesn't play well. Yeah, that's for damn sure. Um, that's not the same thing as a change of behavior, a change of thought, a change of heart. It's interesting, though, because... I wonder how they know. I don't I don't know. I don't even know what we were talking about. Well, that's all right, because we're going to move on now to our next topic. Raindrops on roses, whiskers on kittens, bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens, brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favorite things. <laughs> oh, thank you, Julie. That thunder happens exactly on the downbeat. It's just... <laughs> Sensation. God. Anyway, welcome to Five Faves. Okay. And tonight we have an easy topic for us. This we, was easy. We were asked to name our favorite pop or rock artist from our teen years. Bowie. Now, what were your teen years? Oh, fuck yourself. The early 80s. <laughs> I graduated high school. See, I'm in a different generation from you. Uh, who cares? I graduated <laughs> high school. In 1985. Ah, I graduated in 1980. Okay. Uh, I think my sister was... Well, did you turn 60 this year? I turned 61 this year. You may be older than my sister. Okay. I think she just turned 60. Anyway, 1985 is when I graduated high school. So that's the when I was a, an adolescent from 1980 <laughs> to 1990. Okay. It was the 80s for me. Okay. Okay. It was fucking So I know our awesome. choices, I think, are going to be very, very different. They might be. Yeah. My first is David Bowie. David Bowie. Okay. I figured you, that's a good choice. Can't blame you for that. Uh, not on my list. That believe it or not, really? I, I wasn't into Bowie at that time. As you're gonna see, you're gonna see a pattern of what I was into. All uh, right, of course. So, of course, first on my list, and I have to name them, the Beatles. The Beatles. You know, I grew up with the Beatles. Even in my teen years, I was even listening, because they were broken up by then. So I was listening to all their solo work they were doing. I would get all McCartney and George, especially George Harrison's albums. You like Harrison, huh? Yeah, I love George Harrison. He was my favorite. I love the Beatles. Yeah. They were, they were a big deal to me, and it was during that time, but it was very early during that time. And I thought that, I, I thought to stay more pop stars of the same time. Okay. Yeah, you know, who were popular at that time. Right. Whereas the Beatles were popular way before 
Oh, yeah. But I was going with, like, whose albums were I listening to at that time? Whose music okay. was I buying uh, at that time? The Beatles. So, yeah, so I went with the Beatles. I, the first I, I, I endorsed that. Thank you. No who, who, who's your second choice? I Boy George. Really? Uh, you know what it was? It was that uh, ambiguity. Okay. Uh, I dressed a lot. I dressed like him, inspired by him. Why am I not surprised? By, uh, Boy George. <laughs> was, I, went to, I went to high school in 1985, dressed like Boy George. Okay, so like <laughs> you can imagine what my life was like, but I was not about... How many times were you beaten up? You have no idea. <laughs> You have no idea. Threatening. <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever it was. It was, was you didn't uh, have your hair in dreadlocks, did you? No. no. Okay. Oddly, like, it was weird. I had very bright, distinctive red hair. Yes, I've seen the pictures. It was very, My God, it's like code red. Copper colored. It was not an orangey yellow. It was a copper colored. I had a lot of very thick hair, okay? And it was all really fucking red. <laughs> so I stood out anyway yes and i was tall and I so was, that made it even worse you know <laughs> where, where are we where's what's going on oh there's tommy let's go over there there's we see tommy so yeah that was that was always the thing but you know then it started with like taking an hour and a half to get ready for school the next day because i had to make sure my hair was standing perfectly straight up off of my head so that i could put the 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 hat the what are the french hats the painter what are they called um for, uh, whatever it's called whatever yeah. it's called uh pin it to my head so that uh, and you know the yeah so boy george okay boy george was big to me boy george was huge okay my number two choice the doors okay i was a big doors fan do you know that i have i have downloaded doors albums because of you that i have not yet listened to really oh my god i love him Oh, he was amazing. Amazing Jim Morrison. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. He was just incredible. Okay. And the thing is, he was already, by the time I was listening and became a fan, the group was already over and done. He was already dead and everything. Right, right, right. But I listened to my brother's albums, you know, in the very beginning back then. I was like, oh, this is great. So I, I, I still have all my vinyl albums by the doors. I still have my original L.A. album. LA Woman album cover with the vinyl picture on it, the plastic picture. Yeah, I, Doors. They were definitely my favorite. You could always hear me singing the Doors at a party if someone had a guitar out. But that was probably awful. <laughs> <laughs> nice way to ruin a party, Patrick. <laughs> Who's next on your list? Who's Madonna. number three? Madonna. Come on. You don't, homo. Don't, don't you, do it like that. God, you're such a homo compared that's, to me. That's... <laughs> Well, that's when I grew up. I grew up in the fucking 80s. Yes. When this, we're talking about the 80s. The 80s for a gay kid was Madonna. Yep. I'm not... Was Boy George. Was David Bowie. Like, I'm not... There shouldn't be any surprise here. It right. Like, it was like, like the pop culture thing. Or... That was the group I was in. Yeah, you know the the weirdos. Maybe they were listening to Jim Morrison, and the head, the metalheads were listening to Kiss and uh, whatever it was. But I was listening to this pop music, and it was Madonna. Madonna was the it girl. She was what Fair you enough. wanted to be. Yes, she was. <laughs> All right, I'm not, I'm not defending it. Okay, number three on my list: The Grateful Dead. Really? I was a big Dead fan in high, in high school. When you were back then, high school, you were into the Dead, you were into Hot Tuna. Those were the cool groups for the Stoners and okay. everything. So, yeah, I at least love seeing the Dead. They were great in concert. Okay. Love seeing them in concert. Nice. One of the best ones I saw was on my birthday. I got tickets. 
was at Nassau Coliseum, and we had front row behind the stage. Nice. So we got to see the Hells Angels that were there, Donna Gacho smoking a doobie with one of them and everything. She was one of the singers in the band at the time. It was great. Great oh, time. Nice. Yeah. So Grateful Dead. All right. Good for you. Who's number four on your list? Depeche Mode. Depeche Mode. <laughs> that whole, like, there's a Depeche Mode, Annie Lennox. See, this is all the music I got into in college. Uh, uh, yeah, this was me in like uh, uh, high school. The Annie Lennox Depeche Mode, English electric, electronic uh, pop rock. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, that, that whole thing. Just can't get enough. Annie Lennox. I just can't get enough. I keep saying <laughs> the Eurythmics, but it was the that, it was that that whole sort of genre 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 genre. <laughs> We used to spend spit on in Rockville Center on the weekends. Oh to, my god! I loved it. Uh, uh, the, the the Smiths. Yep. You know that whole sort of alternative rock. Oh yeah, that whole thing. I said those were my college years. Yeah, that's very funny. Yeah. Number four on my list: Crosby, Stills, and Nash. And Young? And Young, when he was there, but I never saw Young. I only saw the three of them in concert. Are you talking about people we needed to see in concert? Oh, no, no. no the, they, were, the, they were one of my favorite bands back then, my okay. teen years. Okay. I really loved their music. Okay. Really did. They were great. I saw them in concert. They were my second concert, the second rock concert I ever saw, and they were great, although they were totally out of harmony when they did Sweet Judy Blue Eyes. You know, that's hard harmony. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. But yeah, I was a big CSN fan. Okay. Yeah. Good for you. So who's your fifth and final choice? Okay. This is as obscure as it gets. Okay. Nina Hagen. I love Nina Hagen. Okay. Love her. Nina Hagen was the introduction I had to a shit matter. <laughs> you you perform it how you feel it. You say you, uh, first song of hers I heard was her version of White Punks on Dope. Okay, the first song I heard from her was the Frank Sinatra song My Way. Oh, My Way. So I'm going in there with that, and it was just, and then that led to shit like Laurie Anderson. Yeah, and who I saw in concert. Oh yes, I mean you told me about I had that. an ex who was obsessed with Laurie Anderson, and you know that whole other even more obscure than Depeche Mode. I can't call Depeche Mode obscure. No, not anymore. Not please. Anymore. No. Not even then. They were no, they were no, big they, 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 they were the beginning. They were huge. You know? But they were of a style. Yeah. And that's that led me to like Nina Hagen or who's the acapella group? There was an acapella group. I can't remember their name. The 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 something something. The something something. Okay. The, the Green Pirates, that's not right. <laughs> The uh, I I don't know, but I I'm sorry I gave up tapes, like that I got rid of my cassette. Oh, tapes. your mixtapes? No, the cassette tape because I was able to get a a copy of I almost had it to something something. Okay, and of course I don't have any cassette tapes. Anymore. Of course, man, no one does. No, no one. Please, you're so 20th century. Yeah, it's kind of... <laughs> my final choice, The Who. All right. They were a big band back in the 70s still, you know? And I remember when Keith Moon died. I think I was in junior high school when he died. It was very sad. I got to see there when they appeared at Chase Stadium when The Clash opened for them. Great group, Pete Townsend, master musician band. and composer. They were fantastic. Great. One of the greatest rock bands ever. Now, I'll tell you my experience with The Who. Okay. They were there. Okay. But they were uh, my older brother's music. Like me, yeah. Okay. And I listened to my older sister's music. Okay. Like, I was listening to Gloria Gaynor. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, now, the first show I did after the pneumonia heart attack situation yeah. 
was Tommy. Okay. I, I would love to do that show again. Okay. I don't know if it was because of the way it was arranged in, in the show, but I loved working on in that music. It's great music. It's great music. It's great music. Yeah, um, oh, my God. And it's music I have ignored because of who it belonged to. It was my older brother's music. Yeah. I mean, it was out, so outside of... Your wheelhouse, anything, right? anything exactly. Uh, but then I got to to interpret it, and it was. Different. It's a good stage show too. It is a. Good it stage. really is a good it's stage. It's not adaptation. done, and it should be. But I understand it's why it's it had to be better than the movie. The movie's a horror show. Yeah, but the movie's fantastic in so oh, many my, ways. Well, yeah, and man, and Margaret covered in beans. Uh, <laughs> Tina Turner? I was the acid queen. Uh, She's probably the highlight of the whole movie. The, I mean, that's worth seeing. That's yeah. worth the price of admission. And, and Elton John is the pinball Elton wizard. Elton John is the pinball. Come on. you got. We had this a similar discussion last week about Michael Jackson and Diana Ross. Yes, we did. There's some and the things, Wiz. The Wiz. There are some things that just you see, and they're not on screen at the same time. The pinball wizard and the no. acid queen. But, uh, but you see in the same movie Elton John as the pinball wizard and... Tina Turner as the Acid Queen, and uh, you don't have the right to ask for anything more than that. Right. Okay? Because that's... And you certainly don't remember Jack Nicholson singing as the psychiatrist. There's something you try to forget <laughs> in order to, to, to restore dignity. No, I, uh, but that's what that's my relationship with The Who, is, is doing that piece on stage. And it was... It's really, uh, it moves really fast. It's really like cut from one scene to the next. Right, it's yeah. Not a blackout kind of situation. It's a very fast moving. Yep. Because it's it's not written like pop songs. It's it's more linear yeah. than the pop song that does the, the verse and the chorus and the chorus. Yeah, but Townsend and Dunn, that was kind of revolutionary uh, at the time. Yeah, it was more, much more linear, much more storytelling. and um, People have written like story songs, but not to a whole no. album like that, you know? No, this was literally a story from beginning to end. Yeah. This was a you know, it was legit. Yep. Uh, so that was my fifth and final choice. It's very know? funny how even there's only five years difference between us. Oh, the music is totally And funny. what we listened to in our teen years. Yeah, and there's more than five years between us. You're 55, right? How dare you? <laughs> How very dare you. Oh, I'm sorry. You're 65. See, now you're just trying to be cute and adorable. And <laughs> the Lucky Charms guy. Move on. We're moving on to our final segment. Oh, get I don't know. Did you hear me? I said get off my lawn now. Yes, it's time for the gripe of the week. Do you have one, Tommy? You know what? There are times when I have been advised. I think I know exactly how you feel right now, because I could gripe about something. It could open a whole can of words. This is what I'm saying. That does not need to be opened this right now. This is what I'm saying. And I have recently been advised to temper my impulse. <laughs> and I did. Yes, you did. Which normally I would not do. No, I know that. I I would I would go straight to the resentment of the request. Yes. How dare you? How dare you tell okay. me that? But this time, I... Uh, discretion is the better part of valor. That's the best... Uh, discretion is the better part of being bitten in the ass. Yes. Is what I said last week. But whatever. What are you, you, you have your own way of saying <laughs> Um. Uh. Yeah. And I, I decided... And it was probably the right thing to do. And it was um, painful. And my gripe is having to give up that immediate petty revenge. Yes. Because I wanted that so bad. Of course. I still want it. I know you do. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I still want it. 
and I've been in touch with different people who in different levels of involvement. Like, and, and you know what it is? It's learning that time takes care of a lot. Karma is a righteous bitch. Uh, uh, yeah. Karma takes care of it all. Yeah, it takes some time, maybe. For, yes, it does. For the word to spread, it to, for the things to do, whatever. But karma but, will catch up. Uh, yeah. If you call it karma, I'm hesitating because I don't necessarily call it karma. Although I, I understand what you're saying. <coughs> uh, what I'm saying is revenge is a dish best served cold, I guess. Old Klingon saying. <laughs> <laughs> So how that works into being my, you know what it is? Is it, is it that it prevented me learning that and appreciating that prevented me from my previous yes need yes desire yes for that pound of flesh immediately yes and, and it's frustrating that I did not get that I know but you will uh, yes and when you do you will relish it. <laughs> yeah you will relish yeah. It. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, so that's my thing. That, uh, I, I, well, I am in the same boat. I, I hate learning shit. I could have brought up something that I learned this week, and I could have addressed it in a way that would have addressed it maybe not directly, but I was like, no, I don't feel like opening this can of worms right now. I'm going to let it go. See, when you came to that yourself, I had yes. to be told, don't do that. And after that, I was told, yes, I was told, don't do that. Well, you had a lot more impassioned reasons <laughs> for wanting to say what you wanted to say. Yeah, that's true. I, I, I tried, when I heard what I had heard or was told what I was told, I stepped back, thought about it and was like, no, this it's, a, is, it's not worth it's it. not worth addressing. Yeah. It can it can pass. Okay. So there were no personal attacks on you or your dignity where there was really with me. Oh, there there may have been. Okay. But All right. All right. I, I'm not concerning myself. Okay. Either. So I guess my gripe is uh, learning that shit. Getting old enough to finally learn that shit and be like, uh, but then it had to Like be you were saying last week, it just doesn't matter. Yeah. It just doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> It's so Buddhist. But like I said, you will enjoy that moment of schadenfreude I, I, in the near future. I'll tell you what, I think enough people who needed to understand what I was going through and needed to hear that story, because I'll tell you what, there are people who came up to me before I even knew there was a story, who came up to me like, I'm so sorry for what you're going through. Oh, no. So the story has been out there yeah. for a while. I didn't know it. I'm not involved so much. Well, there's it. plenty of people... Involved in that situation. I'm not in that social circle. Yeah, that... So I wouldn't know how it passes from one group to the next or how it gets from one person to the next. Exactly. I'm not in that. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, the people who I do know who are in that, they know. So uh, uh, we're being so esoteric and annoying right now. Yes, we are. It's just so... Obnoxious. I'm actually having fun with that. <laughs> this, I know what you're talking about. You yeah. know what I'm talking about. But nobody else does. Nobody else does. But still... It's a way to like... It's a way of just learning to say sometimes it's just better not to say anything at all. Not to say anything. And it's so against... Because I, I, I'm i so much the guy, the first guy with the fist in the air and the, and the protest sign and the flag. Everyone knows me as being angry Pat Finn. Right. And, oh, he's going to take up a fight right away. Right, right, right. right no, right, I'm right. learning to pick my battles. That's... That's uh, yeah, and I'm I'm learning to trust in the satisfaction that comes from patience. Yes, and like I said, karma is a righteous bitch. Yeah. <laughs> what did I say? Satisfaction that comes from patience. Yes. That's two things I have to remember from this episode, and I already forgot the first one. <laughs> well, when you listen to it this weekend, listen to it. <laughs> 
right, I'm out of wine. Oh, uh, that's all right, because we are now at the conclusion of this week's episode. I'm out of tea. Uh, well, yes, we're out of all our liquids I tonight. Have some water. Oh, good for you then. So, we want to thank my husband and producer, Stephen Prendergast, for all that he does. For everything. He's tireless. Tireless. Tireless the way he works. Yes, he is. Working right now. He is. Yes, on the podcast. He is. Yes, he is. Where? Well, he's got his computer. He's doing his stuff. Oh, okay. He's doing producer stuff. Oh, I thought he was doing his work stuff. No, he's either doing producer stuff. Or looking at porn. Oh, okay. That seems more likely. (laughs) And also, don't forget, you can find all our episodes plus our bonus material at www.gruppyoldgaymenandtheirdogs.com. Now, here's the thing. Yes. Last week, you and I had this thing. Yes. Which I instigated, and it was obnoxious, about the uh, employee of the month. Okay. And we watched it, and we talked about it, but it didn't show up on the episode. And yes. so the link didn't show up on yes. the episode. I want you to put in this space next week. Okay. Okay. The link for employee of the month. Can you send me the link so I can then put the link on to the blog post on the website? You don't think that that's too many steps and too many opportunities for disaster? I'll tell you what. What about if we find it tonight and you can just... We could do that. All right, there you go. We'll do that when we sign off. You'll put that link up there for me? Yes, I will. I promise. Uh, Thank you. It is called Employee of the Month. Okay. Uh, Thank you. You're welcome. And don't forget, you can follow our daily posts on Facebook and on Twitter, even though my posts on Facebook are still restricted for like three days. Because you don't know how to behave. I know. I'm a... I'm a Facebook felon. What can I say? Felon. <laughs> if Facebook had a top 10. <laughs> and of course, you can always contact us, send us an email, send us a message on Facebook or Twitter, or you can find us all over the damn place. And that's about it. Is it? Any plans for the weekend, Tommy? Uh, I don't know yet. You don't know yet? I'm planning to work. I'm hoping to work. Oh, yes. Okay. Beyond that, I uh, it is steno all the time. Okay. So there you go. Yeah, the only thing we have scheduled is our ballroom dance class. Good for you. So you spend the weekend nice on your backs. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> nice. Good for you. Thank you. All right. And on that note, we'll say... Have a good night, have a good week, have a good life, and we'll see you next time. Bye, bitches. Talk about it in time. Okay, I believe you jump in the line. Talk about it in time. Somebody help me. Jump in the line. Talk about it in time. Okay, I believe you jump in the line. Talk about it in time. Shake, 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 Sinora. Take your body line. Shake, 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 Sinora. Shake it all the time.